For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Ortho Joe Show, a joint production of the Journal of Bone and Joint Surgery and Ortho Evidence. In our world, orthopedic research is king, and current topics from our respective publications are analyzed weekly. Here is Mohit Bhandari from Ortho Evidence and Mark Swinkowski from the Journal of Bone and Joint Surgery. Good. Well, good morning, Mo. Uh, I, I am here in the general office. I have my official Ortho Joe mug, which I have been assured by our esteemed guests that they've all received theirs. Absolutely, yes, yes. absolutely priceless uh, token of our appreciation for, uh, with which they can consume some Joe in the morning. So uh, cheers, and uh, please introduce our, our, our guests. Yeah, I think we should get right into it, right into it, Mark. So um, we have three uh, esteemed esteemed gentlemen joining us uh, today. Let me begin with uh, Professor Hans Crater. Hans Crater and I have known each other for many, many years. Uh, they're all they're all uh, University of uh, Toronto surgeons, but he is currently the chief uh, of the orthopedic division at Sunnybrook Health Sciences, and uh, I've known Dr. Crater for Many, many years, we're looking forward to a pretty exciting uh, discussion over the next 20 minutes. I'll also state that uh, the other two surgeons, I mean, I don't think I need to say much, but I will. But both uh, doctors, Shasker and Tile, have been, I would say, I, I think we use the word icon fairly infrequently, I'd say, Mark. But I, I'd certainly say um, that they are two individuals that have uh, demonstrated um, through a library of textbooks they've led through um, numerous roles as presidents of many, many organizations. And I believe both have also achieved uh, for Canadians a pretty impressive honor, which is uh, the Order of Canada, to name a very, very few um, of accolades. Now, in no way does that undermine uh, anything that um, I think um, that Professor Crater has done, because I can tell you, I could speak probably for another hour on uh, Professor Crater uh, and all his accolades. But enough of the gushing. Why don't we get down to having some uh, discussion, if we could, around what it means, I guess, in, in the history. But Mark, I know you've got some questions first, and um, I've got a few lined up as well. Maybe I'll let right you get up. started. Uh, Mo, thanks for that fantastic introduction of our three esteemed guests. I've, I've known Professor Crater for a long time, and he's half my age, but uh, I don't, I don't want to start with a question for Hans. I want to just r recall uh, for uh, Professor Tile, Professor Schatzker, that we first met in the, uh, I think, one of the first AO courses in North America at Sun Valley in the early 80s. And my question is, how did you two get so involved with the AO? You've been stalwarts uh, for the educational programs of the AO for decades and are still teaching. Uh, how did it all start? I can begin because I'm uh, a few months older than Joe. <laughs> and basically, I was training in Toronto uh, with George Pennell, my, my favorite of all time mentor, 
who did all the research in pelvic uh, trauma. Mm -hmm. And I also uh, spent a resident year at Sunnybrook on January uh, 1963. And mm -hmm. that was still a veterans hospital at that time with no emergency department, no trauma unit. If you got hit by a car, you went downtown. And that was the old veterans hospital. So I ended up uh, with a Detweiler Fellowship from the Royal College and went to Europe in 65 with a staff appointment to come back part-time to Sunnybrook and full-time to St. Joe's. And when I was in London, a man named Alan Letton, who was a president of the BOA, said to me, Marvin, you're interested in trauma. Why don't you go to Switzerland? I said, why would I go there? All I have is chocolate and cheese. He said, well, there's a guy named Morris Mueller there, and he's doing fantastic things. And so uh, he wasn't on my trip. Uh, so I called George Pennell, and uh, uh, I said, I want to go to St. Gallen to meet Morris Mueller. And that's how it all began with me. So we changed the trip. I went to Paris first with Judy and Letfernell, also to do with pelvis. Uh, I had met both of them before in Toronto. And uh, with Morris Mueller, we went, uh, my wife and I, with Dave Hastings, uh, another colleague, and we spent a week with him and I was totally floored by what I saw. I was com completely converted to carry on with the AO, which at that time, of course, was basically unknown in North America. And even within Switzerland was not fully accepted by a long shot. And he had formed the AO in 1958 with um, with uh, Al and 10 other surgeons, and they were just meeting on a regular basis. So the first AO course I went to was in, I think, 67. And uh, Joe, I think you were you were a oh. resident at the time. And I came, you were you were going to Gothenburg. And I, I said, change, change, go, <laughs> go to. Uh, well go to switzerland and and uh, but before that we had invited morris Mueller to talk in toronto oh, and, i can uh, I, I can hmm. tell you guys about that I yeah was, oh that was uh, that that, that, that was will, a really interesting thing that will bring a smile to all your faces <laughs> i i was a resident that's 1965 yeah and uh, ed simmons called and said, we've invited Maurice Miller to come to the meeting in Toronto. I said, well, that's great. And I said, how will I know who he is? And, well, some of you may remember Ed Simmons. And he said, well, go to the airport. And as he will come up, he is coming by plane. You look for a guy who has a little mustache, and a lock of black hair over his forehead. You've seen Hitler before. That's Hitler? No, he's not Hitler, but he looks like Hitler. And with that, I picked up Maurice Miller at the airport in my little VW. Well, I won't belabor you with all the things that happened in Toronto. But what you might be interested in, uh, I went on my McLaughlin to Europe. I, I was 
in Gothenburg at the time. Harold Hirsch was the professor. And lo and behold, one day, there is Maurice Miller. And uh, he looked, I went at the end of his presentation, I went and said, Professor Miller, do you recognize me? He said, oh, oh you, you, yes. And with mm -hmm. that, he pulled out a sheaf of paper from his bag and said, this is, we're writing the AO manual. You've got to translate it. <laughs> and so, well, then I had a very interesting time when I finally got to St. Gallen. Maurice Miller at that time lived in St. Gallen, but had already begun to operate in Bern. And every night, this repeated itself because I had started to translate the damn thing. And of course, at that time, we didn't have too many biomechanical terms. So I, fortunately, I was with Bronemark in Sweden at the time. Uh, and there was a guy from Colombia, an engineer. And he saved my life because while I was trying to translate this manual, I would go to him and say, look, they have a term in German, Zugschraube. What, well, it means the screw is pulling. He said, no, you can't, can't write the pull screw. It's a lag screw. You know, and so it went that the terminology that has plagued us all these years, I'm the culprit. <laughs> you know, and so it went. The manual in German was published in 1979. No, sorry, 1969. And then in 1970, they published my translation. And the amusing thing was that People said, you know, the translation is better. You've corrected all the mistakes they made in the manual, in the German. Well, the rest of the story, you know, our association with the AO subsequently mirrored much of what Marv has told you. Yeah. I traveled somewhat of a different route than Marv, but both of us were in Sun Valley. Both of us were at really most of the meetings. Yeah. And, uh, well. You know, the thing that's so interesting is um, those who um, may not have met you, I suspect many, many have, um, they probably look at your lives and say, you know, these three individuals have had such illustrious careers and surely um, they knew from day one that they had such a focus on their path that they were going to move and you know and and move in this direction it's almost like they were destined to be as great as they were and maybe i'll start with you uh, dr crater when you look back at your career i think you know i guess maybe we're all in that reflective age and period of time where we say okay, you know there's a lot of luck there's a lot of coincidence there's a lot of doors that open that you thought what am i why am i doing this that turned out to be the right thing can you take us back to any of those periods where 
Someone might say, well, that was a very calculated strategic decision that Dr. Crater made towards his career. But if you could tell him, say, that had nothing to do with strategy, this was all just a good luck situation. Is there anything like that you could share with us? Well, for me, it, it, it's all about the people that you meet and uh, that inspire you. And I can tell you that the two others on this call, uh, along with Mark, who I met a little bit later during a, a fellowship that I did in Seattle, but as a resident, I was, uh, you know, very much, uh, you know, sort of uh, uh, trying to do the best that I could. And when I did rotations at some other institutions, I, I really didn't get the sense that there was a comprehensive sort of way to understand what was, you know, being done in, in the musculoskeletal system. You know, some of my attendings would say, well, you know, this is how we do it. We we put this plate on like this and, you know, where we, we nail these or whatever. But I didn't have the sense that there was a deeper understanding or meaning that 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 I could sort of pursue. So I, I still remember uh, the first lectures that I got from uh, from Joe and Marv. All of a sudden, there was this this system, you know, this system that I could understand, uh, a skeleton, if you will, that I could put facts onto that, you know, made sense. And and, you know, I was bitten at that time. You know, I thought this is what I want to do. I want to, you know, gain a deeper and deeper understanding of this way of dealing with broken bones, of getting them to heal, of dealing with the whole patient. And and of course, you know, I I uh, I pursued in the footsteps of my two mentors and, you know, sort of did what I could to learn the system, to get involved with organizations like the AO and the OTA and uh, to, you know, sort of try and emulate the people that had taught and mentored me. And for me, that required some formal training. You know, I wasn't <laughs> maybe as natural as Marvin Joe. I, I did some formal training through organizations to learn how to teach, to learn how to, uh, you know, become a, a mentor and so on. But that's where it started for me. It was during a resident uh, interaction with these two individuals. And, uh, you know, they were kind enough to take me under their their wing, so to speak. And uh, I remember my first course in DeVos, um, I was just a young attending. And uh, Jim Kellum uh, and, and Marv and, and Joe got me involved in 1996 in DeVos courses. And, uh, you know, like, as a as a one year uh, you know attending here at Sunnybrook and uh, I I uh, you know have been involved uh, with that and as I say with the OTA and other organizations ever since so that's what it was for me just that understanding that aha moment as a resident of there is a system I can understand and I can you know sort of uh, pursue that. If I could just uh, jump over to to you, Doctor Tile, did you? I mean, when you look back at all this, did you have a sense it was going to become as big as it did globally and the work you did would have such an influence? It's sometimes it's hard to look back and maybe and, and maybe and maybe it's hard to understand the magnitude of of both yours and Professor Schatzker's fame. Um, and maybe you have a good sense of it. But but you are um, 
like, did you have a sense it was going to be this big or, or can you remind us when you thought, okay, this is much bigger than I presumed this was going to be. This movement is much bigger than I thought it was going to be. I, I was pretty convinced uh, that the two, the two main people uh, that did have a, that, that really changed the world in orthopedics transformative is the word in the, in the, in the dictionary. Uh, certainly transformative for me were my visit to Morris Mueller and my uh, ongoing with the AO. Um, I'll say a little more in a minute. And uh, second, my visit with John Charnley on the same trip. And uh, the total hip uh, with Charnley was by no means, uh, a certainly in North America, was banned in the United States. So both of them had bad reputations uh certainly in north america uh the ao had no reputation at that time and and uh, the john charnley hip uh, was banned in the states it was coventry and we, we did actually the first bunch uh in toronto because of that with george pennell and also at sunnybrook so uh i thought both of them were were going to be incredible in terms of patient care. What I couldn't envisage was what happened to them. <laughs> Certainly the AO as this uh, this giant foundation connected with with now with J and J and and uh, this this uh, the selling of 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 the three synthase companies uh, with Hans Jörg Wies uh, for the 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 tidy sum of 21 billion dollars and uh you know i i was president of the ao in 1992 i would never have imagined i'd never have seen that and there's a, actually a funny little story in 67 when we were at the first ao course uh it's a canadian story so i can tell you uh a guy named bob martin who you may know from hamilton ontario was I with me, and we were staying in the post hotel and we were drinking a bit, and we were going to go to the AO banquet. The banquets now are three and four thousand people. At that time, we had ninety people. That's all there were. That's all there wow. were at the course. And even John Charnley was at that course. I said, Bob, why not? You're you're a, you're just a great songwriter. Why don't you write something? And he wrote a song called AO AO. Canadian boy goes to Switzerland. Ayo, ayo, Canadian boy goes to Switzerland. Mark, you, you, your career has been wrong. You should have been a singer. So Bob and I went to the banquet. There were only 90 people there, including John Charnley, and Villanager was the president. So Bob and I stood up at the banquet and sang that song and i can tell you he was not pleased <laughs> the frowns that came over him and i said to bob don't worry someday we're going to sing that song and when i was president in 92 in front of three or four thousand people i said all those in the audience please come up to the stage all canadians and Hans-Jörg Wies came up as well, and we sang that song in 92. So that was really just a funny little side story about Canadians and the AO. 
And eventually the Americans caught on and saw that this was going to be Joe. Joe will tell you that uh, uh, he started the Yale courses and I was his faculty. And uh, the first time I said we should plate, I did the tibia, we should plate uh, an open tibia. Uh, 500 in the audience, you may recall, Joe got up and I hissed. I hissed and booed, <laughs> literally. Because the good thing didn't, they didn't have tomatoes, they would have come flying for sure. There was a more, which said you never put anything in a in an open fracture, and uh, I just sat there and laughed. And the following year, I think it was Gregory, who was the head of the uh, the AOS and was from Dallas, and he got up and said, "Hey, there's something in this, guys. Don't laugh yeah. anymore. This is going somewhere." Yeah, and, you better uh, listen. I remember him saying that. You remember that. Oh boy. Yeah. yeah. So you guys better listen. <laughs> so what about you, uh, Professor okay, Schatzker? What what did you ever think it was gonna explode like it did? No. No. Uh, well, it, it's you know, very different perspective. You know, e each of us chose in some ways the same path and in some ways very different you know you, you suddenly have insights into things that, that you don't quite perceive what importance they would have later on in your life you know i i i i go back to the days really when you asked that question being a resident uh with ted dewar I was I was the junior. There was actually a junior resident and a senior resident. And you know, I, I all my interest in the early days was anatomy. Hmm. I worked in the anatomy department. Um, I actually spent nights doing the sections of the head and neck. I mean, to talk about knowing anatomy. And, uh, you know, then as a junior intern, I said, you know, this specialty is based on anatomy. Orthopedics, it's anatomy and biomechanics. I love engineering. And that really opened the doors. And, um, you talked about how suddenly people perceive things. You know, I, I remember, well, the classification, the, the names, my name is stuck to it. You know, I just looked at it and I said, look, uh, there's Mason Hole. Uh, there was a guy from Alaska who had worked with him who emphasized the rim, but that just didn't see the whole picture. And you suddenly have an epiphany. You, you just see it. And, you know, there's type one, the simple, type two, the simple with a wedge, and so on. I can't explain to this day, you know, how you get this sudden insight. 
And there have been other episodes where, you know, this insight came. But that's certainly the two earliest insights that I had. Uh, can I just ask, uh, uh, Professor Shatra, I mean, that's absolutely fascinating because in modern day, or one might think, oh, you know, Professor Schatzker looked at thousands and thousands of x-rays and then, you know, broke them down into systems and then ultimately decided, you know, you know, which are the groupings for the different types of classifications. And I don't think I've ever heard you say uh, this particular um, this particular statement that the idea for the classification came to you. It's almost as though from somewhere um, it was there and you started writing well, it down. Okay, can you speak a little bit to like, like, like what happened? Like, did you just start? I, I, yeah. I can still tell you. Yeah. Uh, I mean, geographically, I'm next door to the building and I, I was sitting in the library. In those days, of course, we wrote by hand everything. And, you know, I looked at the proximal tibia, and I looked at its shape, and I, I had remembered what the others had written, and, and it almost pictorially came. I mean, if you look at the early drawings that I published, they were not drawn by an artist. I drew them myself. and. But they each incorporate the principle that I was trying to show. I, I can't really tell you more. No, that's fascinating. I, 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 I don't know if uh, yeah. Mo, the uh, in in the pelvis, uh, it was George Pennell that came up with that original uh, uh, classification, and he wouldn't publish anything in 1980. Uh, we had a, a volume of uh, orthopedic, orthopedic, of clinical orthopedics devoted to George Bettle, and we published the classification of George. And then, then along came the the AO, and Morris Mueller was also very interested in classifications, and he wanted everything put into a system of the AO. So in the pelvis, uh, they took. That classification and produced something I didn't like. I mean, my name is on it, but I didn't like it. Uh, Joe Joe's uh, classification is in there as well, but people didn't like using it, so everybody uses Joe's. And and what's happened mainly in in Europe uh, is is the original classification of George Pennell that we forwarded back in in 1960 is being used way more than than the AO but but people who are doing collections of cases and everything uh with AO backing and everything use use the AO classification uh, just to keep records so you know what you're talking about when you're publishing but it's it's a very interesting uh, uh sort of study well, I think uh, Professor Crater knows more than uh, any of us on this call about the, the issues with classification systems, with basically you're you're taking continuous variables and putting them into dichotomous variables. But we're not going to go there because that's a whole academic treatise. <laughs> yeah, got one, one, one last question for, uh, for you, if you don't mind, uh, and then we're going to let you complete your day. But 
you two have been extremely generous. You three have been extremely generous uh, with your time in mentoring uh, other academic surgeons. I would venture to state that you've probably been involved with hundreds, if not thousands of trainees that you supported in their careers. And my question for you, each one of you, did it come naturally or is it something that uh, you had experienced or what was it that caused you to be so generous with promoting other individuals? So we'll start with Hans, then we'll go with uh, Professor Schatzker and finally with Professor Tile. So Hans, yeah, I, I, I mean, I was I was mentored and I I, um, I basically did what I had seen. I, I learned, you know, how to mentor and how to lead and uh, uh, and so on through people that had mentored me. And I um, I, I found it uh, very rewarding to to give that back. So I I basically emulated my mentors. Like I said earlier, I did take some formal courses. Um, you know, I don't think those existed back in the day, but uh, I found that helpful. Uh, but I basically just emulated my mentors. Professor Schatzker. You know, teaching to me just came naturally. I, I, I had this inner how should I say, almost an inner compulsion to communicate with other people and tell them what I understood, what I had seen, what I knew. And that that really has pushed my whole life, has been this desire to communicate verbally, in writing. I mean, I, I've traveled the world propelled by this desire to share. Thanks. Professor Tile, the last word. <laughs> mm. I've never been able to give a last word, but anyway, <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> I went I went into medicine originally uh, A, because I wanted to care for people, and B, eventually, when I got thinking about it, I really wanted to do academics and make the world a better place. And the way to do that is by doing something unique, getting your fellows from around the world, writing books, lecturing. No one will believe it. Money had nothing at all to do with this. I came from immigrant parents who didn't have a pot to pee in when they arrived here. Uh, it had nothing to do with it. Uh, it. It had all to do with A, caring for the individual patient and B, becoming academic. And I'll finish with a very strange little story. Got to have a story. When I was in grade 13 at that time, final year of high school, secondary school, I was on the football team of my high school. And uh, we were near Joe's hospital, but Joe eventually went to the Wellesley. And some nice guy on my team fell over my ankle and broke my ankle. And there I am lying there, and they take me to the eMERGE at the Wellesley Hospital. And there's a guy on call there, I'll never forget his name, Joey Leventhal. He was a first-year resident. He just died at 101. And, and, the, and the fractured fellow, and a guy named Ted Mullins, who was the resident. <laughs> and so Ted comes with the two other two guys, and he said, 
well, here's a young man. He's thinking about going to med school, and you better do a good job on this ankle. It was a, a lateral, a lateral ankle fracture. And so they got me and they put me on the bed and they say, How do you want your ankle? And I'm lying on bed. And it's pushed, it's 30 degrees in plantar flexion. Perfect. And they polish it up and they sign it. And Ted comes back in to check, as he would do, because he was a fantastic clinician, as you remember, Joe. Yep. And, and yes, do. he <laughs> sat there and he said, wow, you two people have produced the most beautiful cast I have ever seen. And you've even signed it. He said, now take the damn thing off because Marvin here does not wish to dance in the ballet. He wishes to become an orthopedic surgeon. <clears throat> and in front of him, they had to take the whole thing off. And I said to myself, I never forgot that. I said to myself, wow, I love this. I could do this. I could be an academic. And, you know, strangely, that's affected my entire life. That one episode, breaking my leg in grade 13 and, and watching Ted Mullen, who eventually went to Ottawa and we became yeah. He's a colleague of Joe's originally. But anyway, multiple, that, that's multiple, it in the short, short, short as I can make it. <laughs> multiple stories of divine intervention certainly sounds like to me. Mo, do you have any last uh, comments? You know, I mean, I, I can keep it in 30 seconds here, but, you know, sitting here, I could sit here all day and just yeah. listen um, and reminisce with you uh, because everything you say is just gold. And I, I suspect those listening in will also feel that. Um, the one thing that struck me was, you know, uh, Hans, we started off with Hans Crater saying that he has, you know, that a big part of his life was dedicated to the two individuals here, both professors Tal and Schatzker for shaping who he is. And I think I'll just end in saying in 1996, just as, Hans Crater was starting his first AO course in Davos. He also attended a meeting where I was a resident. And we were trying to launch the study, which eventually became, you know, a very large trial called the SPRINT trial, over a thousand patients. And I can honestly say that if Hans Crater had not been at that meeting and intervened to our group of surgeons who were really ambivalent, that trial wouldn't have happened. And so in many ways, I sit here looking at all the influences. And then for me, just as much as Professor Schatzker and Tyler influenced Hans Crater, I think he had a huge impact on my life. So, you know, as the cycle goes, uh, it's been lovely to reminisce. And uh, as you can imagine, Mark, I could sit here for hours and hours listening to all of you uh, chat about life. But thank you again. It's been an honor, a pleasure to be able to chat this morning. Perfect way to end. Thanks so much. Thank you, gentlemen, and have a good day. Hans, I know you've been up well. all night on call, so I hope you get some rest. <laughs> I will. <laughs> I'll get some Take well, care. Bye-bye, and thanks a lot. This has been absolutely thanks. great. Take care, guys. Keep well, Dave. <laughs> okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones 
who get it done.